0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode of Living Light Outdoors I'm on the mic with you in the office. It's Tuesday, I think. I'm not sure where we are on the calendar months anymore. I, um, man, I was visiting with uh, someone last night. A message back and forth, and uh, with a, a gentleman that I would met um, a few years ago, and um, I, it just it sparked me uh, to to pour out in a message that God just continued to funnel into me last night. I really wanted to preach it last night, but I just finished my message from last night, so I've I've put it off as long as I can. I'm bringing it today. I titled this Heap Coals of Fire on Our Enemies. So I met this young man a few years ago, and he had a horrific story. He was shot while turkey hunting. Uh, he was shot in the throat area. It caused paralysis in his lower extremities. It affected his vocal cords. It, I mean, it was a mess. My friend, through his challenge, had learned how to use his struggle to speak to crowds Uh, wowing them with his vocal ability to to sound like an array of wild critters, like uh, all kinds of different animals, geese and ducks and all these different things. Well, he was recently uh, come to some really difficult challenges in his physical body, while at the same time fighting an ongoing emotional battle with his past. As he reached out for help and prayer support on his local media page, um, his social media page, his, his words really pierced my heart, and it sent me into a whirlwind searching for a way to speak into his life in a way to help him uh, maybe find the answers that he's looking for and to help him uh, on his journey towards healing that that's the ultimate goal his struggle is not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers in the heavenlies his enemies are not fleshly his enemies are spiritual and so are ours how should we treat our enemies according to proverbs 25 verse 21 through 23 According to this passage of scripture, the Lord would have us treat our enemies with kindness and generosity. It actually says, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap coals of fire on his head and the Lord will reward you. What a strange statement. What a strange philosophy that we are to be kind to our enemies that man it just doesn't make a lot of sense to us in our in our physical nature this passage states the paradoxical kingdom truth the way we the that the way we are to deal with an enemy is to do him good elisha the prophet carried out a similar kindness for the aramean army when when they came against israel he set food and drink before the troops and then sent them home they were, they were coming there to do battle. Well, after that, they stayed away from Israel because of this phenomenal thing that happened. You see this in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 21 through 23. When the, when the king of Israel, Jehoram, saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? Elisha answered, You shall not kill them. Would you kill those you have taken captive with your sword and bow? serve them bread and water so that they may eat and drink and go back to their master, the king uh, bin hadad So the king prepared a great feast for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away. And they went to their master and the marauding bands of Aram did not come into the land of Israel again. So out of this act of kindness, it, they came with an act of war. Keep that in mind. But in turn, God said, no, don't kill them treat them kindly and then send them away and in doing so it broke something uh, that th- they never came against Israel again that- that's really worth noting right there 2nd chronicles chapter 28 verse 15 Then the men who were designated by name rose up and took the captives, and from the spoil they clothed all those who were naked. They clothed them and gave them sandals, and fed them and gave them something to drink, anointed them with oil, as was a host's duty, and led all the feeble ones on donkeys. And they brought them to Jericho, the city of palm trees, to their brothers, their fellow descendants of Israel, uh, Jacob, basically, and then they returned to Samaria. So, again, here's an example of uh, where they could have just wiped out of people. Instead, they treated them kindly. They clothed them. They put shoes on their feet. They fed them. They gave them something to drink. They even anointed them with oil, as was a host's duty of the time. And then they led even the feeble ones on donkeys all the way back to Jericho, the city of palm trees, to their fellow descendants of Israel. The Old Testament law even commanded that an Israelite return his enemy's ox or donkey if it strayed and and to give aid to his enemy's ailing beast of burden. It's in Exodus 23, 4-5. It says, if you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey wandering off, you must bring it back to him. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying helpless under its load, you shall not leave the man to deal with it alone. You must help him release the animal from its burden. What an interesting thought that 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 even when the enemy's ox or donkey runs away from them, we're to return it to him. We can't keep it, we can't go sell it, well, we can't do anything with it. When we see our enemy's uh, beast of burden helpless, lying under its load, we're to help the man deal with that, so he doesn't deal with it alone. To help the animal be released from its burden, heaping coals on someone's head is an expression. It's it's an associated with punishment. In the Bible, so that, that verse we see in Proverbs, it's associated with a punishment. In Psalms 11, 6, upon the wicked, the godless, he will rain coals of fire. Fire and brimstone and dreadful scorching wind will be the portion of their cup of doom. Uh, in, in verses 140, verse 9 through 10, those who surround me raise their heads. May the mischief of their own lips come upon them. Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be thrown into the fire, into the deep waters, pits, from which they cannot rise. The idea is that under the heat and the pressure of applied kindness, the person will feel ashamed, maybe feel regret for his actions, and then repent. Think about that. Under this pressure that's being applied, uh, this kindness... This applied kindness, instead of retaliation, instead of fighting against them, instead of taking up arms, instead we're kind to those who are coming against us. It's as if we've heaped coals of fire on their head and they begin to feel ashamed for their action, their regret, and they repent from that. The phrase could have originated from an ancient Egyptian propitiation ritual in which a person guilty of a crime was made to carry a basin of burning embers on his head as a symbol of his repentance. Well, what a what a what a treatment now. Can you imagine trying to do that today? Okay, here you got to put this pan of burning hot coals on your head and carry it around as a sign of your repentance. The goal of treating our enemies with kindness is to bring them to a place of conviction about their wrongdoing. And thus cause them to repent. Can can we make them repent? Absolutely not. But by us being kind to them by us, uh, this is something I'm, I'll sidetrack a little bit here. Take chase a rabbit trail. Um, Something that God showed me, because I used to think, you know, this piece of scripture, you know, praying for our enemies, you know, is like heaping coals of fire in their head. And in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, God, burn that joker to the ground, burn him down, make him a mess, you know, cause him great grief, you know, because he was my enemy. He's come against me. I want God just burn him to the ground. And God showed me that's not what he's asking me to do. What he's asking me to do is be kind to my enemy. In other words, I'm to pray for my enemies, I'm to lift them up. I'm to I'm to go after their soul in in prayer and in doing so, in this kindness, in this not retaliatory event. When I'm, when I'm not coming back against them in a fight, when I'm coming back against them with the word of God, it's like I, I heaped coals of fire on their head. I made them miserable. is what it means. In Romans chapter twelve, verse nine through twenty-one, the apostle Paul cited Proverbs twenty-five twenty-one. Through twenty-two, it, to show that he overcame evil through love and goodness, he, he taught in verse fourteen to bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray for pray that God will bless them. Don't 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 take on that vengeance role. Verse seventeen was never pay back evil with evil. In verse 9, 19 through twenty-one, it says, "Dear friends, never take revenge." Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Our instinctive human reaction to being wronged is to retaliate. It's to come back against our enemies. It's to fight back. Yet such a response is literally prohibited of the followers of Christ. Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 5, verse 39, Do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek as well. Yikes, that's hard to do. How about this? Matthew chapter 5, verse 43-48, As Christians, we are to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. It says, "You have heard that it was said, 'You shall love your neighbor, fellow man, and hate your enemy.' But I say to you, love that is unselfishly seek the best or higher good for your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may show yourself to be the children of your Father who is in heaven, for He makes His sun rise on those who are evil and on those who are good." And makes the rain fall on the righteous, those who are morally upright, and the unrighteous, the unrepentant, those who oppose him. For if you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do that? And if you greet only your brothers, wishing them God's blessing and peace, what more than others are you doing? Do not even, do not even the Gentiles, who do not know the Lord, do that? You, therefore, will be perfect Going into spiritual maturity, both in mind and character, actively integrating godly values into your daily life as your heavenly Father is perfect. It's Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 48. We conquer evil by doing what is good. We win over our enemies by loving them and treating them with kindness and compassion. We pray over their soul. We pray for them. We lift them up to the Father. We lift them up that, that, that they might come to a place of repentance in his great Sermon on the Mount, Jesus called his disciples to be agents of peace in this world. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 9-12, through 12, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. There are reasons why Christians should not take revenge. All this biblical reasoning we've just heard, first and foremost, God has made it expressly clear in Scripture that it is His job to punish sin. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35, it says, Vengeance is mine, and retribution in due time their foot will slip, for the day of their disaster is at hand, and their doom hurries to meet them. In Deuteronomy 32:41. It says, "If if I sharpen the lightning of my sword and my hand takes hold of judgment, I will render vengeance on my adversaries, and I will repay those who hate me." Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14. For God will bring every act to judgment, every hidden and secret thing, whether it is good or is evil. And and and, and since God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Christians are to lead peaceful and quiet lives so that they don't hinder the work of the gospel. That's actually recorded in 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 through 4. We're to be, all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Christians are to lead peaceful and quiet lives so that they don't hinder the work of the gospel. When we perform God's job of avenging ourselves and punishing our enemies, we run the risk of bringing harm to the cause of the gospel. But when we love our enemies, sincerely and sacrificially, God will honor and reward us. For a Christian, the best way to defeat an enemy is to turn that enemy into a brother or sister of Christ. Does that not make sense? The best thing for us as followers of Christ, the best way to defeat our enemy is to turn that enemy into a follower of Christ as well, right beside us. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says that God's kindness is intended to lead people to repentance. Romans 2, verse 4 says, or do you have no regard for your wealth of his kindness and tolerance and patience in withholding his wrath? Are you actually unaware or ignorant of the fact that God's kindness leads you to repentance? That is to change your inner self, your old way of thinking, to seek his purposes for your life? It stands to follow that our kindness to an enemy might also help bring that person to repentance rather than retaliation we find ourselves being kind and praying over that person to bring that person to a place of repentance. Treating our enemies with unexpected benevolence and generosity will have a disarming and discomforting effect with the potential of leading them to remorse, to repentance, and salvation in Jesus Christ. Pray for your enemies and those who spitefully use us. It will be as if we've shoveled coals of fire onto their head. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 through 18 for our struggle is not against flesh and blood contending only with physical opponents but against the rulers against the powers against the words the world forces of this present darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places therefore remember that word means because of this put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to stand successfully. Resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, and victorious, so stand firm and hold your ground. Having done everything you can to stand, stand therefore. Having tightened the wide band of truth, the personal integrity, moral courage around your waist, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and upright heart, And having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. Above all, lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray with specific requests at all times, on every occasion, and in every season in the Spirit. And with this in view, stay alert with all perseverance and petition, interceding in prayer for all of God's people. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in war and it's time to fight, but our weapons are not physical. We we have to understand that that verse 18 speaks so much with all prayer, uh, petition and pray with specific requests at all times. On every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit. We need to sharpen our sword with the spiritual prayer, with a spiritual language that God puts in us and provides to us through the Holy Spirit. And, and with this in view, stay alert. Be, be alert. Be, be in perseverance and petition that we intercede, that we stand in the gap for, that we lift someone up, that we plead the case for all of God's people. My, my brother is struggling. My brother is is in a challenging place mentally. Physically, uh, probably financially, I I don't know his whole setup, but I I know that he's under attack. He feels the attack, but he's crying out to the right one. He's crying out to God, Lord, help me. Send me someone to stand in the gap with me. Send me someone to intercede for me. And that's exactly what I felt God leading me to do in putting this message together. I'm standing in the gap for my brother tonight. I'm standing in the gap. I'm pleading his case before the Lord. God, I pray that you bring release to his mind. I pray that you bring release to his body. a matter of fact, I actually wrote this out, Lord, as, as we learn to pray for our enemies the right way, praying for their salvation, praying they come to know you through repentance, praying that your Holy Spirit draws them to you and turn, you, uh, turn away from their sin, seeking your forgiveness. May they become absolutely miserable right where they are until they run into your arms. And, Lord, as we seriously pray for the souls of our enemies, may it be like healing water poured over our own wounded and guarded hearts. May it help us to let go of those hurts and this bitterness and release healing in our own bodies physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Set us free in the power of your Son's holy name. So be it. Amen and amen. What a, what a powerful thought that we are to pray for our enemies. And in doing so, it's like, it's like heaping coals of fire on their head. It's not to burn them down. It's to save their soul. It's to bring them to a place of repentance. They may never apologize to us. We may never see a, a, a course of repentance to, towards us. But does that really matter if, if God gets their soul Because in the present nature, if someone's an enemy of ours, chances are they're an enemy of God's as well. And in that case, their soul is destined for hell. God wishes that no one go to hell, that all would come to know him in repentance. And it may be just the fact of us releasing them by forgiving them. And forgiveness is not easy, forgiveness takes time. But when we begin to pray over them, When we begin to speak peace over their life, when we begin to speak blessing over those who are cursing us, it brings us to a place of release in our own spirit. It brings healing to our wounds, and it may very well set that captive free to where they truly do come to a place of repentance, that they become so miserable without the Spirit of God in them that they turn looking for him. Who knows? Maybe you'll lead them to him. Amen. God bless you guys. Be praying for my friend. Uh, I, I'm not going to put his name out there. Um, I'll let him handle any of that that he chooses to. But be praying for my friend. Be praying for all of those who, who we know are are battling uh, through the war. We're all at war right now. We're in a spiritual fight. Uh, the, the darkness is encroaching. But listen, it cannot encroach upon light. Shine your light. Light dispels darkness. Scientifically and Spiritually darkness cannot enter into light lightness all light always penetrates darkness and dispels it it runs it off so shine your light brightly today amen god bless you guys thank you so much for tuning in thank you for following on our podcast thank you for your support we are um, in kind of a a support drive right now we're really looking to see people engage with us in financial support uh, we have several things that are are looming on the horizon that we want to see happen um, we'd love to be able to help different people in different ways. And the only way we can do that is if we have your support as well. So pray with us, pray over us, pray for us and pray that God will lead you in, in even giving towards us. If such is the case, uh, may God bless you and return it to you in the same measure you give. He'll give back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over, be poured right into your lap. Just as the scripture says, thank you for your prayers and thank you for your giving. God is able to to do whatever he chooses. We leave it in his hands and we know that he is our provision and our provider. Uh, He just uses people to do so from time to time. So God bless you. Rhonda and I love you. We're praying for you. Pray for our friend and may God bless you. We'll talk to you again real soon.